Welcome to another episode of Ask the Zamboni Experts. I'm your host, Doug Peters. Along with me today from the Zamboni Company is Marty Elliott. Our guest on today's episode is Lindsay Fry. She is the Director of External Engagement and Female Hockey, along with being President of the Arizona Kachinas Hockey Association, and most importantly, the Radio Color Analyst for the Arizona Coyotes. Welcome, Lindsay, and thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Could you tell us uh, and our listeners about your start uh, in hockey in Chandler, Arizona, which is the hockey mecca of the world, is it not? <laughs> oh, yeah, right here in the desert. Um, yeah, I, I actually fell in love with hockey because uh, I saw the Mighty Ducks movies when I was a little girl, and I was a huge Disney kid. Um, and it was it actually worked out well. My dad was commuting back and forth to Southern California to work at the time, so I actually got to go see some Ducks games before the Coyotes came to Phoenix from Winnipeg. And yeah, that's really what sparked it. I got, you know, the the plastic shoe or skates that would strap onto your shoes and I was hooked. And then, you know, the Coyotes came here in 1996. Um, a couple rinks popped up as a result of that. And I started playing ice when I was six years old. So started as a roller player, switched over to ice, and that's how it all began. Great. Jim Rogers was a customer of ours who purchased the machine from us last year and unfortunately passed away. Uh, in reading his obit, he was very involved and instrumental in the growth of hockey in Arizona. Uh, did your journey in Arizona hockey interact with Jim at all? Oh, yeah. No, I, everybody in Arizona knew Jim in some capacity or another. Um, I I think I really got to know him best when I was like in high school. Um but he, maybe in college, but when I was in high school, I was playing for a team in Colorado on the weekends, um, my girls team, but then I would come back and during the week, um, I would skate with my little brother's team. And my little brother is the same age as Jim's son, Justin, um, who's now helping take over the rink for Jim. But uh, yeah, so I, I kind of got to know him there. And then through that relationship, when I was trying to train for the Olympics um, and just trying to train in the summer to make the national team, uh, Jim would always, you know, he'd give me the free stick times, um, the free open skates, and he'd let me just come out and train. And sometimes it was just like the lunch skate with a bunch of guys on their work break. Sometimes it was stick time to do skill sessions. So yeah, I, I really appreciate everything that Jim did for me personally. And then our first year trying to get the Kachinas up and running, um, he opened his building and, and allowed our girls to have a lot of ice time to be able to have their inaugural season. So really indebted to Jim and just really appreciate everything that he's done for hockey in Arizona. And uh, he's, he's definitely missed here by the hockey community. Yeah, it was very sad for me. I've dealt with Jim for a long time. I've been with Zamboni since 1987 and it goes back almost that far with Jim. And he had just got a brand new machine. I had tried to visit him uh, and uh, wasn't able to, and then was shocked to hear of his passing. Uh, in reading a little bit about yourself, I uh, saw that uh, you went to Colorado to play um, hockey in high school. How difficult was that uh, decision for you and your family to make? Yeah, I mean, it was actually, it was a little easier because I wasn't alone. Um, there was another girl here who I still to this day She's my best friend. It's crazy. We're coming up on 20 years of friendship, but her name is Erin Kane, and we we traveled together. So it was kind of a collective effort amongst our parents. They they kind of alternated taking us um, to Colorado and back on the weekends, and it was a big commitment. Um, I think for me though, I I knew it was something that I had to do. It allowed me to stay home a little bit more than if I had been if I had just gone you know, completely off to prep school. So it did allow kind of that flexibility to still sort of be home with my family. I think being from Arizona, I knew I was going to have to go somewhere far away from home to play in college. So it was nice to be able to have kind of that hybrid option um, in high school. But yeah, looking back on it, it's, it's crazy to think, you know, not only the commitment that Aaron and I made as players to do that, but the commitment our parents made both time-wise and financially to to pull that off for us is pretty incredible so we're, we're very thankful for that being a former minnesotan um did Fairble shattuck ever become a consideration for you to go play at the hockey factory that is there <laughs> well they definitely were recruiting me but um yeah i mean i think it goes back to just that that was that was really a, a family decision i mean i i was barely emotionally ready to leave for 
college, let alone high school. So, um, yeah, I just, it, it, it just, I don't think would have been a good fit for me just being away from home that young. Um, I mean, I started college when I was 17, so I would have been super young leaving home for high school. So yeah, it was definitely, you know, something that was considered, but it was, it was funny. I was joking on the broadcast last night. Um, you know, the coyotes were playing in Denver and I was talking about how, you know, every time I'd go and play in Colorado for practices, when I hadn't been there in two, three weeks, I would have to like sit on the bench the first 10 minutes just to acclimate. It was funny. Whenever Shattuck would come down, they would drive their bus to play against us and we, we would beat them. I mean, totally underdogs, but just the altitude was, would give us that edge to be able to, uh, to take them down. So that was, that was kind of a fun memory. Nothing like home ice advantage. Exactly. You talked about the Mighty Ducks movie and how it was a favorite of yours. Who is the favorite actor? And have you had a chance to meet any of the actors that were in the movies? That's a really good question. Um, so I, I, I don't believe I've ever met any of the actors. Um, probably the the closest I've come is being at the NHL awards when uh, Keenan Thompson was was up on stage talking about the knuckle puck. That was probably the closest to actually meeting someone. Um, but one person, I think my favorite was. Oh man, that's so hard. I I, I mean I watching kind of the the commercials for the reboot. Um, I definitely get the chills when I see. Uh, Gordon Bombay. So I'll, I'll probably go with Emilio Estevez, but yeah, I, I think the other close encounter I have is we actually have a coach here. Um, his name's Brad Perry, incredible guy, grew up playing hockey in LA. He and his dad actually were part of the team that choreographed a lot of the fun, quirky moves in, uh, in the Mighty Ducks movie. So that's, that's probably truly the closest I've gotten to the behind the scenes of the movie. Well, it was filmed in a lot of it was filmed in Minnesota and some of the rinks that I played at when I was a kid growing up. And it was interesting for me to see, as well as having moved to California in 1987, being a North Star fan. My dad worked for the North Stars and then having them move uh, to Texas, the Ducks came about the same year in 93. So I usually am pretty loyal about my teams, but it was an easy transition to go from North Star fan to Ducks. And uh, truly a great movie, and it's I'm happy to hear that uh, that's one of your favorites. Number one hockey experience for you in your career, would it uh, be the Olympics or was it something else? That's a tough one. I mean, the Olympics was incredible. Um, I, I think... Yeah, I mean, the Olympics, was it was amazing. It was something that, you know, I, I am so thankful I had the opportunity to do. Um, and maybe I'd feel a little differently if we had won. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think for me, one of the most um, amazing things was, like, I, I probably had the most fun in my hockey career my senior year of college. Um, it was after the Olympic year. I came back and it was interesting. I had torn my hip. I played my entire senior season on a torn labrum, um, had the cortisone shots, was wrapped up every single game, icing after. Like it was it was a little bit of a grind. But um, I think at that point I knew that I was kind of ready to move on from the national team. And so like I, I, I knew that that was sort of it. And I just I approached every game so much differently. Like I think when you know that your your time as a competitive hockey player is kind of coming to a close, um, you just have fun with it. And I would just literally go into every game, you know, saying, play hard, have fun. That's, that's all I'm going to worry about today. And none of the other stuff matters, which was very different than the mindset of the Olympic team. Right. Because that was, you know, it was a constant tryout just trying to make the roster, um, let alone win games. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think being a part of my senior year was, was incredible. We won pretty much everything we could win. We won the bean pot. We won ECAC. We won, you know, a bunch of stuff and then, you know, ended up losing in the frozen four. But just the fact that, you know, my, my Harvard team that barely cracked into the playoffs for our league was playing in my freshman year was playing in the frozen four championship. My senior year was pretty incredible. Who did you lose to in the frozen four that year? <laughs> uh, choose not to disclose <laughs> something about a, something about a gopher. 
they had a they had a pretty decent run there for a few years and there's uh i don't know i think that she might not have been playing at that time but mike ramsey's daughter played um with the year that they went undefeated and uh he graduated with my sister from roosevelt but my claim to fame as close as i get to the olympics uh is that i got to skate against mike when he was a senior in high school and um get to rub elbows with some of the guys on the 80 team so uh i'm i'm as excited to have you here and i had uh, the opportunity with julie chu one of your teammates i believe uh to meet her at a industry conference she skated at a rink that one of the ladies i've known for a long time owns out in bridgeport connecticut and uh julie julie was at a, a banquet that we had for the organization and very nice young lady very nice young lady along with you so um, tell us in our listeners what it was like when you learned that you made the Olympic team, because that has to be just a huge accomplishment. Yeah. So I think the interesting thing is people think, you know, oh, you make the team and then you're on it. Um, and that that's really not the case. So we had Olympic tryouts in June of 2013. And then uh, they took 25 of us and centralized us in Boston so we could all train together. But kind of similar to the Miracle movie, we had to be down to 21 players by January 1st. So we found out um, like four days before Christmas, right before we were all going home for a little break um, for the holiday that we had made the team um, while we were in North Dakota. And yeah, it was, it was, it was very emotional. I mean, I remember going back into my room and unfortunately my roommate on that trip was one of the ones who got cut. So she got moved to a different room. So I had this room by myself to just like kind of process everything. And, um, yeah, I mean, just all, all types of emotions. You know, I was, I have no shame in saying that I was a bubble player. So it wasn't like I was certain I was going to make the team or not. Um, so it was, yeah, it was, it was a really emotional moment for me. And I actually ended up calling my brother and told him I had made the team. And then I told him, don't tell mom and dad. And he was like, what? And I go, no, this is how I wanna tell him. So we do we do skits um, on Christmas Eve every single year. We've been doing it since before I was born at my grandparents' house. And I was like, I wanna tell them in our skit. So I call my parents, I lie to them. I say, I think they wanna see you know, one more game. And I think we were going to Minnesota after uh, the holiday. And I'm like, I think they wanna see one more game after um before they make their final decision in January and so I'm lying to my parents and then we get up there on Christmas Eve and my brother's dressed as Santa and I said you know do you have a present for me Santa he's like yeah and he gives me this poster and I look at it and then I look at the other side and I says this or I said this says two team fry that's all of them can I give it to them he says sure and so I like played the song like dun 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 and I turned it around and it said we did it with the Olympic rings. And that was that was probably one of the coolest parts of the entire Olympic experience because, you know, you joked about it right at the beginning, like Chandler, not exactly the Mecca of hockey in the United States. So I, I was probably the last person ever expected to make that team. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without my family's support and them just jumping all in with their little girl wanting to play ice hockey in the desert. And uh, so that was that was incredible to share that moment with them. How was the experience in Sochi? Did you have a great time over there? Was it uh, a, you, anything unique occur while you're there? Yeah, it was it was awesome. Um, you know, I think the media really had a field day with uh, everything in Sochi, making it seem like it was just horrible for us athletes. And from what I've heard um, from some of the Arizona media people I'm really close to, uh, the the media's accommodations weren't great but ours were ours were great ours were fine um Sochi was a very unique place in the sense that it was like it was almost like Arizona I mean it was like 60 degrees and sunny every day that we were there there were palm trees um we were in the coastal village so we were right on the Black Sea so it was crazy like you look one direction and it's palm trees and like water and then you turn around and you look off into the distance and there's these huge mountains that are covered in snow which is where all of the like skiing events and snowboarding events were going on. So it was a very unique thing um, in that setting. I think the other thing that was interesting was, you know, everything was built from the ground up. So what was nice relative to, you know, what my teammates described when they were in Vancouver, in Vancouver, they would have to like get on the bus. 
they'd have to bomb sweep the bus. Everybody had to go through security. Like you get on, you drive 45 minutes to practice, you get off, you do the, you know, practice, cool down, get back on the bus. I mean, it was like a six, seven hour ordeal anytime they'd go to the rink. And so for us, because it was all built from the ground up, our village was right next to the Olympic park. So we literally rode like bikes or walked to games and practices. So that was really um, nice and convenient. But yeah, I think I think some of the coolest parts about it was, I mean, obviously for me, having my family there was incredible. Um, I think being able to just meet so many different athletes from around the world, as well as even our own country. I mean, I don't really know the figure skaters that well. And like Charlie and Meryl would come and sit with us and you're just like starstruck but they look at you as just like, oh, you're just a USA teammate. And so I, I like to tell kids though, um, you know, we tried to, we tried to go into it, not really like gushing over the NHL athletes, mostly because it was just kind of a statement for us. Like while we're here, we're equal. There is no like difference between the men and the women when we're at the Olympics. And so we really kind of had that mentality. Like we weren't going to go up to any of the NHL guys and ask for autographs or whatever. Um, but it was so funny. So I remember talking to Oliver Ekman Larson in the dining hall and was like, oh, I'm from Arizona, blah, blah, blah. And his English wasn't great yet. So I think he was just so caught off guard that somebody from Arizona was talking to him in Sochi, Russia. <laughs> so he was like a little awkward. We have a great relationship now. Um, the other, one of the other ones was uh, I tell kids and they love it. I was like reaching for something at the salad bar and bumped hands with this guy and was like, oh, sorry. And I look up and it's Ovechkin. And uh, and then the other one, the only person I took a picture with, the only NHL player I took a picture with was after everything was said and done, Finland had just won the bronze for the men, which was like unheard of. Um, and so I took a picture with Timu Solani because he was part of that Solani-Korea Ducks duo that I was a big fan of as a kid. So, yeah. I, I understand that. And I grew up uh, watching a lot of hockey in Minnesota and I said when Solani and Korea played that they were a duo that I would actually pay out of my own pocket um, to go see play because they they were just incredible. The speed in which those two guys skated reminded me of Yvonne Cornway and Guy Lafleur uh, from the Montreal Canadiens back uh, a long time ago when I was young. I want to throw this over to Marty Elliott, uh, my cohort from the Canadian plant, and maybe he's got a few questions. Um, I hate to give this opening to him because he's going to talk about the gold medal that the U.S. or the the Canadian women's team won. But I, I want to give him the opportunity because I'm always picking on him to ask some questions, Lindsay. Well, actually, again, I'm going to steer uh, steer away from uh, the Olympics for a second because, um, and you've had a great career, uh, Lindsay, and it's it's uh, it's a pleasure to be able to uh, chat with you. And uh, and thanks again for coming on. Um, what I wanted to ask you is uh, another uh, Arizonite. Uh, is it Arizonite? Is that what you refer to uh, the uh, Arizona, state people as? Arizonan, I guess. Uh, Arizonan? Arizonan. So uh, I uh, wear blue and I bleed blue, and uh, you'll, you'll probably know where I'm going with this. Uh, there's another individual who's an Arizonan. And uh, have you had the plan, uh, pleasure of uh, meeting him? And have you actually uh, been on the ice with uh, Austin Matthews? Yeah. So the funny thing is, I've not talked to him as adults. Um, yet I'm sure our paths will cross at some point, but, um, but yeah, he actually played a season with my brother. So when I was in Colorado, um, or playing for Colorado and then practicing with my brother's team at home, uh, there's this like little kid Poppy out on the ice. And <laughs> I didn't really think much of him at the time. I mean, he was probably 12 years old and, mm -hmm. um, he was playing up. And it was so funny because, I mean, he was just so young. Like some of the kids, it was like that weird time for the boys where like some of them are hitting puberty. Some of them are still yeah. like, you know, hip high and tiny. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was really like my first interaction with him. Never really thought a whole lot of it. And then um, all of a sudden, you know, fast forward a little bit. And my brother's like, yeah, freaking Austin's going to go number one in the draft. And I'm like, Matthews? <laughs> it's like, who? <laughs> I just remembered him as this little 12 year old kid. Um, but no, I mean, it's incredible what he's done and he's going to have just a phenomenal career for a long time as he's already had. And I think that's just, it's just so important for, you know, I pride myself on 
being able to show little girls, not just in Arizona, but in non-traditional hockey markets all throughout the Western US that, you know, if, if a little girl from the desert could do it, you can too. And it's really nice for, you know, there definitely have been players who have been drafted out of Arizona and gone on and had NHL careers or at least AHL careers. But mm -hmm. what Austin has done is shown so many little boys here in Arizona that you can go on and be one of the best players in the NHL and grow up playing here. And you talk about Jim Rogers going all the way back to the beginning. I mean, Austin attributes a lot of his opportunity as a youth to Jim, you know, letting him come out and skate and um, do stick times and all that stuff at, at Arcadia. So it's, it's always a reminder, I think, for those of us who are now on the coaching and programming side that what we do matters. And it's, it's, it's pretty cool to see what Austin's been able to do. Yeah, no doubt about it. And what you do, uh, Lindsay, uh, definitely matters. And you certainly have uh, have uh, paved the way for uh, young girls uh, in your community to uh, recognize, yes, I can do it. And you certainly demonstrated that. Congratulations to you. So have you had an opportunity uh, to uh, maintain friendships with any of the uh, uh, Canadian women uh, players uh, from the Sochi uh, Olympics? The Canadians or the U.S.? The Canadians. I'm, uh, hey, I'm, I'm north of the border. I, I just have to ask. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think, I think the cool thing about it is, um, you know, there is this huge heated rivalry, uh, between the two teams, obviously, but most of them, you know, we, we played in college together. We're friends sure. away from the rink. Um, you know, I think that's kind of the fun thing about it is you can have these really great friendships and then go out and just want to kill each other for a game. Um, <laughs> And it's it's pretty incredible. I mean, you look at some. I mean, some of the women are married to each other from across the border. I mean, it's just yeah. it, it's it's a pretty interesting dynamic. And I think the reason for that is, you know, as much as we compete with each other when we're on the ice, I think we all still understand the bigger picture that women's hockey still has such a long way to go, and mm -hmm. we have to, as some of the you know higher profile people in the sport, we have to keep working together. I think it's so cool to see a lot of the Bauer commercials coming out or some of the other commercials coming out that integrate these women all together. Um, and not just the Americans. I mean, I think the most recent Bauer commercial had a Finnish woman in it. And it's, I think that's just, that's really, really cool. So um, yeah, I'm trying to think like Emirates Mashmeyer was our goalie for Harvard. She's still in the mix, I believe. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, yep. And I mean, like Pooh and I played against each other in college. Um, yeah, they're, they're, uh, we had a bunch of them come down. We hosted a PWHPA event here in Arizona about a year ago. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, Laura Stacy, who I played against in college was down here, Sarah Nurse. So again, when we're off the ice, we're all, for the most part, we're all getting along. And so you should. God bless you. Have you uh, one more question before I put it back to Doug? Have you had the pleasure of meeting uh, who I'm a big fan of, Haley Wickenheiser? Ever had the pleasure of meeting Haley? Uh, well, yeah. Let me say doc doctor, doctor Haley Wickenheiser. <laughs> getting <laughs> smashed into the boards uh, by her, I think is my, <laughs> my formal intro. Um, yeah, so her, I believe her last Olympics was in Sochi. And it so was, we, yeah. Uh, yeah, we, we played against each other, but no, she's one of the ones I haven't really had an opportunity to spend much time with. I do get to talk a lot with, um, I've worked with Jana Hefford in the past. Yep. Um, I'm on a, I've, I've been on a committee for the NHL uh, with Angela James, which has been just an absolute pleasure to get to know her, just a, a trailblazer on that side of the border. So yeah, I mean, it's amazing. I think now that I've kind of transitioned into the business side of things and still have such an involvement um at all levels of of the game it's it's pretty cool that you still get to make these connections even after you're a player i love to hear that that's awesome well i'm going to put it back to uh, doug and uh, thanks again Lindsay. thank you shanda gunn's father owned a rink in huntington beach and she was a goalie and she ended up playing some college hockey out in northeastern have your paths crossed with shanda at all yeah, yeah. So Shanna's uh, older than me, but she, um, when I was doing our Rocky Mountain District camp when I was in high school, I remember. I think she was still a current member of the of the national team, and she came and spoke to us. And uh, yeah, so we we had an opportunity to kind of get to meet there. I haven't really interacted with her much as an adult, um, but you know, 
talk about a, a quirky, fun personality goaltender. <laughs> yeah, I think most goaltenders are a little left of center. We had one on a podcast earlier this morning, David Ayers, who um, thumped the Leafs as a Zamboni driver turned goalie. Um, so it's, it's always fun. And your story about, uh, Austin Matthews, it kind of reminded me of when I went to visit Shanda's father's rink in Huntington beach to try to sell him a machine. And I walk in and this girl walks up to me and she starts asking me questions. And she, I figured she was probably like 13, 14 years old and she's out on the ice. And I'm like going, who in the heck is she? And then, uh, Rod introduces me to her his daughter, like, like, holy cow, there's a rink rat uh, here. That's a, that's a girl. It's awesome. And it was great for me to follow her career. Um, even though she's had some issues with, uh, medical stuff, but, um, it was very great to see that she ended up, uh, on the Olympic team and, uh, did quite well, I think. So, oh yeah. Um, can you tell us a bit more about the Arizona Kachinas? And it's so successful that the Chicago Blackhawks, the Hurricanes, and the Capitals are all modeling their ladies' hockey programs after it. Yeah, well, so the Arizona Kachinas is our exclusive girls' hockey association here in Arizona, and it's actually the only association that the Arizona Coyotes kind of oversees and operates. Um, even the Junior Coyotes is is independently operated. So it 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 really i think represents a stake in the ground that the coyotes have tried to take over the last 5 years that women's hockey is important girls hockey is important and we're going to put the investment and time into it to to grow it and and prove that so we actually started um you know 5 years ago kind of building out this idea um and it was my my partner in crime with the coyotes Matt Shot he he oversees all of our youth hockey efforts um we're like, man, why, you know, the girls hockey numbers are growing in Arizona, but the number of teams are not. And so we just, what we saw, at least the issue here was, is that, you know, it was really kind of being left up to the co-ed organizations to grow the girls hockey from the bottom up. And then what was left for the girls hockey teams were just kind of catching the girls that were still playing by the time they were 12U, 14U, whatever. So there really wasn't a good like pipeline model from the base of that pyramid. So we said, okay, let's let's start there. So we started with a program called Small Fries, and it really was designed to take little girls out of the learn to play programs through the NHL, put them with a bunch of other girls, have all female coaches out there, and really try to improve our retention rates at the youth, at the the young, young levels. And that proved to be extremely successful. So once we kind of had that pipeline going, it was like, okay, now maybe we can um, really build out an association. So we kind of jumped in like two years ago and said, all right, if we build it, they will come. We know the numbers are there. Let's see what we can do. And we built out this association and we took girls hockey in Arizona from three teams to 12 teams in our first season, or excuse me, to nine teams in our first season. And then this season, our second season, we're at 12 teams. We're looking to get to 14 or 15 next year. So it's it's grown rapidly. But yeah, it's it's been amazing. I was one of the first um, female hockey ambassadors in the NHL hired full time by a team. The Blackhawks followed suit with Kendall Coyne. The Hurricanes followed suit with Alyssa Gallardi. The Capitals um, for a while, I don't know if she's still there, had Haley Skorupa. And um, the Blackhawks, you know, to your question, actually flew their hockey development team down here to see what we were doing in the girls hockey space so they could try to model golden coins, uh, which is the program that Kendall runs after small fries. So that I think was something that kind of helped us realize, all right, we're doing something right here. This is pretty, this is pretty special. I caught a story uh, on the Ducks broadcast uh, about you skating, rollerblading 96 miles. And it was a very, touching story um, for me to to see. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, what you did to honor Leighton Accardo and your rollerblading? Yeah, so uh, Leighton was a nine-year-old girl who played hockey. She played baseball, just a little super athlete, really just amazing, spunky kid who was diagnosed with stage four cancer um, coming up on two years ago. And unfortunately, she passed away uh, in November of 2020, so fairly recently. So you know, I think the biggest thing talking to her parents, I mean, she just Leighton became such a part of 
the fabric of the Coyotes organization. She was the star of the NHL for Hockey Fights Cancer Night with the Coyotes. Um, it was just amazing. And so, you know, I think the biggest thing that her mom Carly said is the biggest fear for a parent who's lost a child is that their child's going to be forgotten. And so we said, okay, we're going to make sure that never happens. Um, and I came up with this crazy idea actually before you know, we realized Leighton was running out of time as quickly as she was. I wanted to do this crazy rollerblading event, go to every single rink in Arizona, which ended up being about 96 miles. And um, originally I was going to raise money for like Phoenix Children's. I was going to push Leighton in a stroller for parts of it. It was going to be really cool. And then when she passed away, it was like, okay, we're flipping this whole thing over to be in honor of Leighton. We built out this memorial scholarship fund because Leighton was the type of kid that she'd always have her birthday party at the hockey rink because she just wanted to share what she loved with all of her friends. So we said, well, let's allow her to do that. And we're going to create this scholarship fund in her memory. Um, that's going to be able to help girls like Leighton get into hockey and continue to play hockey. So um, our goal is to raise $49,000 with this event. We ended up raising um, 75,000 and that number is still growing, which is pretty incredible when you think of the economic impact going on in the world and, and, you know, the struggles that people are having financially to get that many people to give. That's how special Leighton was to this community. Yeah, it's a, it's a very touching story and it's something that uh, no parent should ever have to deal with the passing of one of their kids. And I want to thank you for uh, what you did for that. It's, it's truly a great story. And if people aren't aware of it, uh, is there any kind of a website or, how would somebody donate to that program if they wanted to do so? Yeah. So as of today, it's still um, ArizonaCoyotes.com slash skating for Layton. Um, we may shift that over, but yeah, you can you can just always Google Layton Accardo Memorial Scholarship Fund or skating for Layton, and you'll you'll find info in your in your search browser. Kelly Olson is a former Minnesotan who I believe won a state high school hockey championship, and she's involved with the new ice rink in Mesa, which is where you were born. Are you actively involved in that since that's tied to the Kachinas? Oh, yeah. So we, uh, we're we partners with uh, Kelly and her husband, Eddie. And, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been great. I think, you know, the girls have always dealt with the struggle, as I think a lot of girls' programs have, of um, always getting – second crack at the ice sometimes third crack sometimes fourth fifth sixth and so uh, it was really important for us to find a way to ensure that the girls really had first right to rink at, or ice at a rink and um, Eddie and Kelly approached us and you know said they were building this new facility and they were trying to figure out what programming was going to go in there and we said well the girls program is flourishing the growth potential is there and this is probably going to be make the most sense for you guys from a rink standpoint. And uh, yeah, so so we had a, a partnership this year working on potentially trying to continue it. But yeah, it's it's been uh, it's been great. The girls to have them look down and see their logos in the ice is something that no girls program has ever had ever in Arizona. So that's been really special. Well, keep up the growth. I told my girls when they were young that uh, if we lived in Minnesota, I'd have them play in hockey uh, so that they could get a college hockey scholarship. There's probably, that's the easy, I shouldn't say easiest. It's the avenue where there's uh, the largest potential, I think, as a hockey fan, um, if you are a talented athlete uh, like you are. Um, I want to go into your career uh, doing broadcasting now. My, you have my dream job. I went to school for radio broadcasting. I wanted to be a play-by-play -play announcer. I listened to Al Shaver while I was growing up, uh, and I think he was the uh, best play-by-play -play announcer ever. He's from Canada. He's living up in Vancouver. Uh, and can you tell us um, how that came about and what it's like to, to be doing that now? Yeah, so kind of toward the end of the summer. So our previous radio caller analyst was uh, – none other than Paul Bissonnette, uh, Biz, Biz Nasty 2.0, as some people know him. But yeah, Paul is just a, a, a hilarious guy, ton of fun. But he decided he wanted to kind of scale back a little bit and, and switch over 
exclusively to doing TV. So he's still involved in our broadcast. He does our, our pregame, postgame, intermission, all that good stuff. Um, so there was an opening for a radio color analyst and uh, I was approached toward the end of the summer. I've, I, I'm the opposite. I have really no uh, broadcasting background other than the fact that I've had a lot of media training through my experience on my college hockey team, on the Olympic team. And while it's not necessarily directly, I guess, transferable to radio, I think you get comfortable stringing thoughts together, having, you know, somewhat of a, an excitement to your voice, all those good things. So uh, I was like, man, I'm definitely interested. Um, And I think the more I thought about it, I go, man, this is, I I actually, I reached out to um, AJ Maletsko. I reached out to Kendall Coyne, like these other women who are in broadcasting, more on the TV side, just to kind of get their advice, their thoughts, their opinions. And everybody, even Tyson Nash, who's our, our color analyst on TV, all of them said the same thing. They're like, this is the most fun job you're ever going to have. It's, you're going to, it's, 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 you're going to fall right into it. It's like anything. It's just reps, practice, keep working at it and you're going to be fine. So I think I was instilled with a lot of confidence by some of those, those friends of mine. And so I went for it. And I think um, just, you know, I, I really pride myself on being the first to do things, even if I don't know if I'm capable, um, because I think it's important to show young girls and women that they can do anything. They don't have to be afraid to try. If you fail, who cares? Um, if you succeed, then freaking awesome. And so that was really, I think my motivator is, is let's see how this goes, whether I like it or not. I'm showing a young girl in Arizona that they could potentially do this someday. One of the coolest things that happened was um, one of our Kachina's players, I think she's like 10, got a radio, like 2021, got a radio for her birthday to be able to listen to me call the games, um, which I thought was just, that's when you kind of look at it and you're like, okay, this is so much bigger than just talking hockey on the radio. You're making a difference. And I, I will tell you after listening, when I was in Arizona to go over the new machines that the uh, coyotes got I caught you on the radio and that was part of what prompted me to reach out um, I if correct me if I'm wrong did you interject about your father wanting to see Garland uh, be out on the ice more often or was was I oh. incorrect in that my dad he's got an acronym and it's just it's a bunch of letters and it stands for if you want to win put Garland in he's He's a huge Garland fan. And now his his new one is uh, for Johan Larson, when in need, put in the Swede. So he's got <laughs> he's got all the little uh, rhymes and, and things ready to go. I love that you interject that. And it's kind of uh, like I've got nicknames for all my grandkids and they have nothing to do. One of them is... Uh, he's Mario and I call him Donkey Kong from uh, the video game. So, yeah. or Lu- Luigi is another one that I'll use with that. But uh, Marty's wanted to know what's your go-to saying when you're involved in being part of the broadcast? Ooh, that's a good one. See, I, that's, that's where I'm a little different from Tyson. Tyson's so quick with all that, man. He's he's got all those he's got all those quick sayings ready to go. Um, so I think that's those are those are some of the things I'm still kind of trying to find in my in my broadcasting. But um, yeah, that's that's a good one. That that might stump me. I got to think about that. I, so, I just I, I think for me, I just the most fun I have is when I find a way. And I think this is. I think this is really important and part of, again, going back to like the importance of having women on the broadcast is I really like anytime I can tie something that happens on the ice back to something that happened in my career. I think that's important to show people that, you know, not like, oh, look at me, I'm capable of doing this. It's more like, hey, look at how similar men's and women's hockey actually is. Um, and I think that's something that gives me a little bit more credibility, gives women's hockey a lot of credibility. So I think, I think that's kind of my favorite thing I like to do when I'm, when I'm on air. Marty, did you have anything you wanted to interject? 
Well, where I was going with that, Lindsay, is uh, you uh, probably know who uh, Joe Bone is for the Maple Leafs radio broadcast, color yeah, analyst. Yeah. Do you know who Joe is? Yeah, you know, Joe Bone. We haven't we haven't really met, but I I know who he is. Yeah. So his go-to is always Holy Mackinac, and that's why I wanted to ask the, the question if you had something like that that you were you had your go-to. No, I. Uh... But I am going to call Tyson out one of these days. He always says taking slappers from the ladies' tees. I'm going to be like, Tyson, we got to – let's let's switch it over. We're going to say forward tees. Forward tees. You know, where he, he's taking the slappers from the senior tees. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. The, the old guy tees, uh, which is where I'm playing at now, Lindsay. So you just uh, turn that right back around to him and, and give it right back. So th- that's incredible. And it, like I say, I – Went to school for radio broadcasting. It's 40-some years later that I'm trying to utilize what skill I have. And it's a real treat for me that we're doing these podcasts. We had Kenny Albert on. Uh, I met him at the All-Star Game last year and exchanged business cards and reached out to him. And he was kind enough to come on. And, And I look at that and just go, man, there's people like Lindsay and Kenny that are willing to give their time to come on these podcasts. Maybe there's something to this. Um, one question with regards to your skating skills. If you and Kendall Coyne Schofield were in a race, who should I put my money on to win that race? Kendall. Yeah. Kendall. Kendall. <laughs> <laughs> now, would you come a, a close second or would it no. be a, a no, blue light line? I won't even pretend it'll be Kendall will Kendall will blow past me. I mean, that woman is faster than most men in the NHL. She is just, she is zippy. Speed was never really my strength. Um, I was more of like the big body power forward, just drive into the net, knocking bodies over my, my bread and butter on the Olympic team was just like, like puck protection in the corners and just digging it out and all those good things. But yeah, I, there was this one drill we used to do and the drill started as a puck race, just like from a standstill puck race. And you had to race for it and try to win it back to your teammate and whichever team won it back. It was like a three on two situation and freaking I'd get lined up with Kendall and I would just be like, all right, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Just prepping for that three on two situation. We're getting ready to defend, but she's, She's incredible. I mean, she works so hard. She's all of what, five, four, and is able to just blow past people. So Kendall's an incredible athlete. She's a very good friend. And uh, yeah, I've, I've loved watching all the success she's seen. Well, I saw her at the All-Star game. I think it was last year in St. Louis that mm-hmm. she was skating. And I'm going, this isn't fair for her to have to do this. And then I see her take off like a a horse, just somebody shot the horse in the backside. And I'm going, this girl's going to beat some of these guys. And I'm sure some of the guys were a little terrified that uh, they might not um, not show so well. But what, what a talent. I mean, that oh, yeah. that was just like it, it, it was on the same par as anybody else. And that, that was what was great to see. Yep. So. Um, can you tell us a bit about uh, Lindsay Fry Hockey? I, I saw that on the internet as well. Can you tell us what that's all about? Yeah, so I actually uh, run my own business in and amongst all my other fun jobs. Um, so I've been running hockey camps and clinics, and I do mental performance training, um, all kinds of different things. Uh, mostly run my camps in the summer, and really my niche is going to non-traditional hockey markets similar to Arizona. So I go to New Mexico, I go to Whitefish, Montana, North Dakota, Utah. I mean, really any place that you kind of go, huh, I wonder if they have girls hockey. That's where I'm going. And I love it. And and really kind of my selling point is, look, the Minnesotas and the, you know, the places in New England, they have plenty of Olympians there, you know, available to them to an extent the kids in Portland, Oregon have nobody. And so I've really kind of prided myself on um, just getting to be, again, that role model for these kids to show them, like I said earlier, you know, if, if I could do it coming from the desert of Arizona, then you can do it coming from a mountain town in Montana, which actually, I mean, we've got a girl who um, went to one of my camps my first year I was in Whitefish 
you know, she was, she was one of the, definitely one of the better players out there. And I was coaching this, you know, select travel team that summer, invited her to come. And it was really humbling for her to see, wow, the girls hockey is really, really good. And I might be good in Montana, but I'm not as good as all these kids back East. I come back a year later, that girl put so much work in, worked her tail off. Now is playing at a select Academy, Bishop Kearney or whatever, and is like going to go D one. So I think just, again, that, you know, if she, not that that really, you know, had everything to do with me, but just like, if she didn't have that exposure and that experience to, to be able to do that, she probably wouldn't have pushed herself to the level that she has. And so I just, I think it's super exciting to see um, the development of these kids year after year. And, and I love doing it. So I think until I have kids, I'll keep it rolling because it's, it's a lot of travel. How do you feel about Hawaii? I would, I've actually reached out to Hawaii in the past. Um, they've got like one rink, I think in. Yes, Honolulu, they do. I want to say. Yes. And uh, I think they have like four women registered the last time I looked, it's been a couple years um, or girls registered, but I would absolutely love to do something um, okay. down there. So if you've got the connection, let me know. I, ha I have a connection. There's a gentleman there that owns the rink. His name's Doug Taylor. What a great first name, don't you think? Oh yeah. Great. That's my dad's name. <laughs> Your dad's name is look at this connection. The synergy is amazing. It's it's almost no. Disney-esque. Right? So Mr. Taylor is a wonderful man. I will reach out to him and say, hey, I know this. I, I shouldn't say I know. I've met this wonderful young Olympian lady who would love to come to Hawaii. He's got a guy from Minnesota that comes out there to do curling oh, um, of all places go. to do curling in Hawaii. So Doug's facility, unfortunately, is not open right now due to COVID. They shut down. And I've been in communication because I'm hoping to leave a week from today to Maui. But uh, if you're interested, I will definitely reach out to him and say, hey, we've got somebody that uh, would love to work with, uh, with some girls growing up and playing hockey. And if you're open to it, I'll make the connection for you. Yeah, I would love that. That'd be incredible. I mean, my... Uh... My wife and I haven't had an opportunity to go on a honeymoon yet, so that would be a good good little reason to get down there. There you go. There you go. Can you drive a Zamboni machine, or have you ever driven a Zamboni machine? I cannot. I have to have uh, I have to have Matt teach me how to do it. But no, I I am not the Zamboni guru yet. Okay. Well, we'll have to work on that. Maybe I can hook you up with uh, Pat and Ryan down there at uh, the Gila River. Uh, building and get you on the machine it's also it's got all these automated controls that all you have to do is really just steer the steering wheel and turn it around on the ice surface that's how simple we've made it for them all right all right I love it yeah no I'd, I'd it, honestly it's probably just a good thing for everybody to learn how to do just in case something happens I know uh there was one time like years ago when one of the zam drivers for the arena was like sick or something happened and my my colleague Matt actually had to get on the Zamboni during a Coyotes game and be the second driver because they just needed someone who knew how to do it that could fill in. So it's it's a good skill to have in your back pocket. That it is. That it is. Uh, I noticed that part of your program nutrition is one aspect of it. As a lover of Cheese Whiz, would that product make it on your list of items for consumption? Well, uh, my wife is technically the uh, official dietitian for Lindsay Fry Hockey, and uh, she her response would be that um, no foods are off limits, and there's balance with everything. So uh, yeah, she'd probably say just limit the cheese whiz, but you don't have to eliminate it, um, which is is I think kind of the the approach that you know we we try to take with everything, because I think the second you tell yourself something's off limits you just want it more, right? So, yeah. It's like the Girl Scout cookies that I bought this last weekend. We're gonna wrap this up with um, some quick topics for you because I consider myself to be a foodie. What is your favorite food? Ooh. Well, kind of my weird, one of my weird favorite ones, I love green olives. Um, but I think if I were to go with like a meal, Probably anything like taco related. That's that's probably the Arizona girl in me. Big, big taco fan. Do you put green olives on your pepperoni and sausage pizza? 
Well, I'm not a meat eater, so I do put green olives on my veggie pizzas for sure. I put I put green olives on my nachos. That weirdly enough, the first place I ever had that was in Montreal. The hotel we were staying at put green olives on the nachos, and I was like, this is freaking incredible. So I've been doing that now. Yeah, I'm a big green olive fan. What's your favorite restaurant in Arizona? Hmm. There's this really cute place by us called Pomegranate and it's like an all vegetarian place, but they make this like ridiculously good chickpea burger, which to a lot of people doesn't sound good, but I think it's really good. So big, big fan of Pomegranate. Great. Um, you spent four years going to college at Harvard. You had to have spent a little bit of time in the North End. What would be your favorite restaurant in the North End of Boston? This is horrible. I spent like most of my time in Cambridge. I went to the North End one time for a birthday party and we went to this Italian place and I have no idea what it was called, but it was it was ridiculously good and that's all I remember. <laughs> it's terrible. Well, I know. if you ever if you ever go back, Pagliucas and Massimino's are must go to's and then the one other question with it is did you ever visit Santapio's pizza place? or Kowloon while you're in Boston. Kowloon is on Route 1 near Saugus uh, for Chinese food. Great big Chinese restaurant that's sitting out there not too far from Hockey Town. Uh, if you ever went there. Um, uh, and Santapio's is right by the airport. Best pizza in the land. No, I haven't done either. It's terrible. I just, apparently I just wasn't very cultured when I was in Boston. <laughs> You've led a very sheltered life. And uh, I know. If, tra if travel gets out and... The Coyotes are playing in Boston. Let me know. I'll hook you up with some people out there as well that can take you to the North End, show you around. You got to get to Mike's uh, um, pastries to get the, um, the the awesome pastries that they have there. Last question I've got for you is, what is your favorite city to hang out in? I mean, I do. Uh, this is maybe a little bit of a cop out, but I think you know, anytime. I always tell people I don't know if I'd ever want to move back to like Boston, Cambridge, but I do love visiting. It feels like home every time I go back, um, or at least a, a version of home. But I think um, we spend most of our time, if we're going to try to get away and go, you know, romp around somewhere, um, we spend a lot of time in San Diego and, and love it. My parents are actually there right now in their RV having a grand old time. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're hoping to get out to San Diego soon. Great. Well, if you do, please stop by Paramount if we're open for uh, visitors. We'd love to have you. Or if you get out this way, I'd be happy to take you out to dinner. But uh, I want to thank you very much for taking time. Yeah, no problem. Well, I appreciate you guys and thank you. We want to thank everyone for listening in to another episode of Ask the Zamboni Experts podcast. Have a question for one of our experts or an idea for a future episode, please email your questions or request to info at Zamboni.com. For more information and additional podcast episodes, please visit Zamboni.com forward slash podcast or search Ask the Zamboni Experts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. This is Doug Peters along with Mark Elliott wishing you an ice day.